Yo, yo, yo. It's 1 11 p.m. here on a beautiful Saturday afternoon. It's my pleasure to join you here with the one and only Damon Snacks Harrison. How are we doing, Damon? I'm doing good, boss. How about you? Pretty good, you know. Got a big football week coming up. Had an awesome Thursday night game. Not much to complain about. Yeah, yeah. This is an exciting week in the NFL, man. A lot of good matchups I'm looking forward to. 100%. So let's start with something that we touched on a little bit last week, but is obviously the primetime game for tonight or tomorrow night at 8.20 p.m., and that'll be uh, Seahawks-Steelers. Obviously, recent development with the Seahawks as they now have to rock with Geno Smith over <coughs> Russell Wilson. How do you think? What do you think Geno's going to do in that role? Um, depending on what type of game plan they, uh, you know, come up with with for him, uh, I think he'll exceed um, expectations. He'll exceed expectations. Um, basically, this is just an opportunity he's been waiting on for a long time, um, especially with this type of team that's built to win now. Um, so I don't I don't consider it a make or break, but this would be the one opportunity, you know, that if he doesn't take advantage of, he'll wish later on down the line that he did. But um, I know Gino, and I think he'll take full advantage of this opportunity. Yeah, I mean, he's not get the best luck with the next six games they have. They have to go through uh, the Saints after the Steelers this week. They got the Jaguars week 10, Packers week 11, yeah. Cardinals week 12. I don't know how many a game, how many of those games they can win with Gino at quarterback. He's been a backup his entire career. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to be able to step into the starter role right away and succeed. But the thing is, why why don't you know what, what what's confused you? What has Gino shown you in the past um, that kind of make you uneasy about him not being able to go out and beat you know the, the Steelers? I just don't like his track record. I don't think he's beat out enough guys for the quarterback job. I think he's had multiple opportunities where he sat behind a guy as a backup and we saw that guy struggle as a starter and he didn't get his name called. So to me, I see either every front office he's ever played for has a problem identifying his talent or maybe he's not the guy to go and win football games as a starter. Also, but let's be honest, um, Gino was set up and in position to be, well, to, to have a really great year um, the year in New York before he got hurt, uh, before the little thing happened. Um, then he went on to the Giants, I believe, next. He was behind Eli Manning. Went out and had a pretty good game. You know, gave us a – added something to the offense that we needed. Um, it was just – it was Eli Manning. So he couldn't necessarily just go in and take the starting job, even though it was a lot of support thrown behind it in the building, uh, behind closed doors. The media didn't get a chance to see that side of it. You know, uh, I think Coach McAdoo kind of, uh, you know, was it McAdoo or was it um, Shermer? I think it was Shermer. I think it was Shermer at the time. Okay. So, um, well, whoever it was, there was a lot of support behind Gino being the starting quarterback, you know, um, at that time. But, he just never really had opportunity, man. And I think to to have someone like a DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett, you know, some of the other guys and have a running game, I think Gino would be fine. To me, it's less of a worry about Gino and more of a worry about the Seahawks system and how they're going to put him in a position to succeed because mm -hmm. they're two and three so far through five games in the season. And their losses came to the Titans in that overtime thriller, the mm -hmm. Vikings in what wasn't a close game, and in the Rams this past Thursday. So I don't see how you could plug in Geno Smith as an upgrade over Russell Wilson and expect them to win games that they haven't won in the past. So I don't think yeah. that 
I'm hating on Gino or necessarily calling him out. I just think it'll be very difficult for him to go in against these other teams and put up success with a roster that he really hasn't had a lot of time to train and get better with. I think that's exactly what you're doing. I think you're hating on Gino. Because uh, let's be honest, it's Russell Wilson. How many quarterbacks could you plug in that position for it to be an upgrade? It's maybe maybe two tops. You know, you maybe can throw a third in there, but an upgrade over Russell Wilson, that'll be hard. But the NFL has shown you throughout the years, um, start to go down. You don't necessarily need an upgrade at that position to be successful and to have success. You got to rely on your running game, you know, your offensive line, um, and your wide receivers got to get open. You know, they, they got to rely on a lot of quick game. Don't let them hold the ball in his hands a lot. Um, give them some design run plays to kind of keep the defense off balance. If they put together a good game plan, you know, this could be a really, really good season for Geno and allow the Seahawks to, you know, not rush Russell, uh, Russell Wilson back. What I'll say I do agree with you is this. Uh, he has a perfect chance to do it uh, Sunday night because I think if they get that win against the Steelers, That'll propel them and give them the momentum to continue yeah. on the schedule. However, I think if they lose that game to the Steelers tomorrow night, a team with Big Ben, who's arguably the worst starter in the league right now, can't run five <laughs> yards. And you got Juju, who just got injured for the season. Okay, so if Big Ben is the worst quarterback in the NFL, your words, then why can't Gino beat Big Ben? Like, what? What's? Yeah, I don't. We're gonna have to see what happens. Big Ben has a Super Bowl. He's got the history behind him. I trust man, him. We don't want to hear that, man. We don't want to hear what he did all those years ago. We're talking about now. Is Big Ben producing now? And why does Geno Smith, why, in your opinion, doesn't have a good opportunity to beat a struggling Big Ben, in your words? I don't think Geno has the opportunity to beat Big Ben because he's going to turn the ball over and he's not going to make the X Factor plays. I don't mind Geno Smith if he's going to go out there in the fourth quarter in garbage time. He might score a touchdown. He might wow. lead a drive. But if you're asking him to make a play against NFL, against Darius Slay, for example, or against these DBs who are coming for him, I don't see him making that X Factor play. So when you're saying Geno's going to throw an interception, yeah, I can like last week, the interception was Geno's fault. Is well, last week, well, that was different. Last week, that was different. But you can't lie that Geno has some trouble turning the ball over in his, in his career. I mean, you could say that. You could say that, especially when he was younger, trying to figure out some things. Defense, defense is throwing some different things at him. But you can see now, Gino is way, way more confident than what a lot of Jets fans were used to seeing. Yeah, I agree with Nick Spanner there on the screen. You see, Gino can play within the offense, but they're going to be missing those big off-script plays from Russ, the ones where Lockett scrambles down the field and loses the defender. Yeah. Obviously, in the history, we had so many of those plays in the playoff run where you seemed like they were out of it, and then they launch one down the field from Russ. So they're obviously going to miss those plays. But I, I just don't see how Geno Smith could do it. I, I don't see how he could do it five years ago. I don't see how he could do it when he was a rookie, and I don't see how he could do it now. Yeah, like plays like that. Well, that's not. That's different. That was the Come on, man. That's that a dime. That was a dime. All right, so maybe he did look good. I thought that was yeah. Russ out there. No, that was Gino. That was, yeah, that was like right like after. That was like right yeah, after Russ right got hurt, I believe. Yeah, that was right when yeah, came yeah. Out. The man threw a dot. Gino has an arm and he's talented. Like I don't understand like why people are confused about that because Gino's been a backup in the league for a long time. You don't be. Let me not say that because there are some guys that are backups for a long time that aren't worth a damn. But you don't really get opportunity to um, be 
in that level and play for that organization behind a Russell Wilson and have Pete Carroll in that team trust you if you're not a pretty good quarterback. So you think that there's no one else out there that they could get that would be better? Like, would you rather have Cam Absolutely Newton starting not. tomorrow night? Than Geno Smith? Yeah. Woo! Come on, man. He just, got one hey, he just got vaccinated. Oh, yeah. so he's ready. So he's ready. He had uh, enough watching Geno's heart. That's a tough one, man. That's a tough one. If I had, I'm taking Gino right now in the system, been there for a long time, uh, for for a while. Um, I'm taking Gino. All right. I got to respect it. If you're going to stay true mm-hmm. to the answer, back yeah, your guy. Absolutely. Absolutely. I got to respect it. And the Saints game, the Steelers game is very winnable. The Saints game is winnable as well, uh, depending on how the Seahawks defensive backs play. Um, Jaguars should be a win. The Packers game is going to be tough. Okay, so let's assume that they let's assume that they lose the Packers and the Cardinals game. So that's two losses. That gives them the chance to go Steelers, Saints, Jaguars, Washington. So that in those six games, do you think they if they beat those four teams, they go four and two? I see that as a miracle for them. At at best, they win two of those games. No, man, I think they'll win four to five of those games because this is a team that um, you know you give them a chance to get things rolling. They stumbled a little bit early. Now they're going into that mid-season type, uh, you know, type of territory, and I think they'll start rolling. That defense has got to pick it up for Geno Smith and the Seahawks to have a chance, though. That that has to happen. Let's move on to something else because I feel like we kind of got where we're going on that. You like Geno, I don't, but we'll see how that plays out <laughs> tomorrow night. Uh, let's talk about Lamar Jackson. Uh huh. Dominant season so far. Beat Mahomes, everyone asking if he's the new guy in the league, the new guy he got to beat. You think he can put it together for the playoff run? First of all, why would you say the new guy in the league? The man is a former MVP. He's been here. He's been here. He's just he's not been, a Super Bowl champion. He's been here, but he hasn't been the guy. Mahomes has been the guy since he, since he's been in the league. When uh, when Lamar won MVP, that was very – like you could argue that. You could argue that. All right, that's fair um, enough. MVP winner, fair enough. Yeah. So, but Lamar looked great last week, man. I think he had four uh, incompletions. Yeah, here we go in the video. Four incompletions and four touchdowns. Like, I mean, I think he's putting it all together now. If he can just, you know, stay healthy and kind of adjust his style a little bit. Don't want to take anything from him because him his style is what makes him who he is. But I think he'll win MVP again if he can stay healthy. I agree. Such a big key for him was just staying in the pocket as, as talented mm-hmm. as a runner. And kind of, you know how college football works. The guys love to just run past everyone because they're the best athlete on the field. But since he came into the NFL's biggest problem is will he be able to adjust into a pocket passer? Will he be able to complete those throws down the field? And I think now that he's shown that he's more reluctant to, to run and he'll stay in the pocket, make those throws downfield as long as Hollywood and his other targets are getting open. I think you're going to see a new Lamar who is going to do put up games like he did the other night where he throws for a bunch of yards, a bunch of touchdowns, and has less mm-hmm. running yards than you're used to seeing. Yeah, I think, but I think he's shown he can be a pocket passer. Like a lot of these throws that you see, a lot of his big-time throws are in the pocket. Um, he's just so great at being a runner with the ball that we don't get a chance to see a lot of these plays, but he's a pretty damn good pocket passer. The one comment I have on Lamar Jackson, and I'll take your input because it's something that I can't answer because I had never played in the NFL, but in the playoffs, he's one for one and three with 55% completion rate. Do you think mm-hmm. something actually changes in the playoffs? Is it just the mentality around it? What do you, or did he just have four bad games? Like, do you think there's something specific that has caused him to struggle in the playoffs? Or do you think 
the defense is just coming harder and everyone's just trying to win the games even more. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the defenses that he's playing may have had a step on the offense, but um, one in three and 55% completion, I'd like to see a little more in-depth view of those stats. I want to see, you know, what the running game did at the same time, not necessarily um, just Lamar, but what, what did the running game look like? Uh, you know, were the receivers healthy? Um, you know, it's a lot of things that can factor into that one in three and 55% completion. That's not making an excuse for him at all, but um, I just, I think it's it's deeper than just, you know, saying that he's one in three in the playoffs with 55% completion. And holding to answer your question, I'm not answering that question because Josh Allen has been looking real good lately. I, I, that's a tough one for me. I can't answer that question. <laughs> you can't answer that? I can't answer that question, man. I can't. Josh Allen has been looking like unbelievable. That, that guy. I, but I think he's had a couple bad games this year too, right? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't yeah. say bad, but for him, they were. he didn't start the season the way he would have liked you coming off of last season. Yeah, he's absolutely. Clearly, clearly picked it up in the past few. Mm -hmm. I, I'm just in shock at how much talent is in the league nowadays from Lamar to Josh Allen to Mahomes. I mean, we got guys like not to mention, but we got guys to Sean Watson, who top five quarterback. He's not even playing. That's how much talent yeah. in the league. Like yeah. there's so much going on on every team. It's so much more fun to watch. So we got what else we got here? All right. So. I don't blame you for saying that about Josh Allen, but to me, I got to go with Lamar because <laughs> I got to go with the guy who's proven not only MVP winner, but I like his athleticism. And don't get me wrong, Josh Allen clearly can run, one of the better runners in the league. I think he had he was up there in rushing touchdowns last year if he didn't leave uh -huh. the league of touchdowns. But it's something about Lamar and his ability to make a play when everything goes wrong. What we talked about earlier with Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, the Aaron Rodgers scramble. Yeah. Not that Josh Allen can't do that, but that's the one part of his game that I think I give the edge to Lamar, his ability to improvise, and that's where I would put him over Josh Allen. Yeah, I agree. But um, <clears throat> you're in the playoffs, conference championship game, you got to take Lamar or Josh Allen as a quarterback to get you to the Super Bowl. One game, who are you taking? I'm taking Lamar. You're taking Lamar? I'm taking Lamar. Oh, that's a tough one. That's 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 – you got to explain that over Josh Allen, though, the conference championship. I'm a big Lamar fan. I'm a huge Lamar fan. But I think that Josh Allen just offers a little bit more at the quarterback position than Lamar does, minus the running ability. That's fair enough. Don't forget, everyone, you're listening to us here on U Stadium. And we got something big coming up in a minute here. And I want to announce it right now. So. He is one of the best defensive backs in the league. He is known by the one and only big play Slay, starting DB for the Philadelphia Eagles, Darius Slay. Yo, 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 how are you doing? My dog. What's good, my boy? <laughs> how are you, brother? Man, you know I'm good, just chilling, man. Getting my life set away, man. You know, just chilling. Yeah, 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 appreciate you for coming on, man. Hey, this is my former teammate, man. My dog, my brother, man, like big, big play slay. I'm not gonna call you by your first name. You know, which I, go I, by. Hey, I which, <laughs> which I was gonna do, but I believe that alone, man. How you doing, man? What you got going on today? Yeah, I'm good today, man. I, don't think I got going today, man. You know, we played Thursday, so I'm gonna go see my uh, see my son play today. So he played around about three o'clock. So I'm gonna go check him out. 
Yeah, yeah. What position is he playing? Corner and receiver. You know, we got to get that DB work. So I, I believe I, he can't catch, so he may be a uh, just like his pop. So yeah, I believe I he may be a better corner. Ah! <laughs> no, um, so yeah, man. I, again, I, I appreciate you for you know coming on. Um, just got a couple questions for you, man. Just try to see where, where you're headed. You're ugly too, boy. I just want to make sure. Hey, hey, stop that now. Stop that now. <laughs> no, so um. We all got stories, man. Every player has stories. Um, so, you know, we got the graphic up right now just to show, you know, how great you are. We all know how great Big Play Slay is. Oh, um, they, I don't know why they continue to sleep on my dog, but they go, you know, they go numbers don't lie. Yeah, men lie, women lie, but numbers do not lie. But let me ask you this, Slay. Um, what was your welcome to the NFL moment? Like, that moment where it was like, you know, damn, this is real. So. <laughs> So my first play of my NFL career, we played Minnesota Vikings. Uh huh. I think it was four. It was uh, fourteen. I think AP thirteen. AP just came off the uh, the crazy surgery. Oh, that year. That year. So he had that. Yeah, first game. My first play. I met him in the middle. <laughs> shook me. Took it seventy yards. Tug. First play of the game. I said, "Oh shit!" Is that, that was my, your rookie year. My rookie year. Ooh I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm talking about AP coming down there, not untouched. Shoot the team. 80 yards. Tough. I said, oh Bro, my goodness. Hey, what was that? What was that like in the film room? And who was your DB coach at the time? Ooh, my DB coach at the time was uh damn. Who was it? It was uh either Damn, I forgot. Bono Sports was my head coach. <laughs> oh man. Did hey, they you know, get on you? Rookie, did they get on you? Oh, he was on what? Come on, man. I got benched that game. <laughs> they Bro, so me. was that was that the year uh AP went like crazy after went crazy the right? yeah, went yeah, crazy. Yeah, they yeah, yeah. He should have been tested. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he went crazy. And that was 2013 or 14? yeah, it's going 13 going into 14. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, man. I remember playing against AP. Uh, after that, I didn't think he was going to be the same, and he just came back in and just proved everybody yeah, wrong. Yeah, proved everybody wrong. So what yeah. was it like playing in Detroit with Damon? Man, it was what, what, my dog? That's my boy, man. It was fun. <laughs> hey, everybody said, so uh, I knew when we, dra uh, we traded for him. I said, they say, hey, boy, we just got better in the run defense. I said, who it is? You know what I'm saying? Who it is? We better be that damn good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I like, oh, they said, snacks. I said, oh, I know that boy. I heard of that boy. That boy be going crazy. So, you know, he come in there uh, all quiet, like he don't crack the jokes, like he don't crack jokes or nothing. So, you know, I had to bring him out a little bit, you know, crack yeah. the jokes on him. And then, you know, we opened up and then we became good friends, man. So, uh, yeah. you know, it's always been a blessing to play with that man, man. He's a hardworking dude, man. We be getting it. Yeah, hey, it was like a, I think after I got to Detroit, it was like a legit year stretch where you and I and um, Nino talked to each other every single day. like Every day. It was crazy, man. Like we literally spoke every single day. And you don't get that a lot in the NFL, man. Like you get guys who you cool with during the season and you go your separate ways. But you know, we stayed in contact. Like it was it was crazy. And that's why we continue to remain friends. Um now. Um, so Slay, I have my Tom Brady story. Um, I, I grew up a Patriots fan, and you know, the first time I saw Brady face to face on the field. 
Like that was the first time I ever been starstruck. So what player did you play against that you can remember that had you like, damn, like that's such and such. Yeah. So, uh, 2000, what Super Bowl year, the uh, Denver Broncos with Peyton Manning. 14, 15, right? Yeah. Like so we plan them at home. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, if I get a pick off, if I get a pick off Peyton Manning, bro, I'm gonna be like, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna go crazy because I'm gonna be. You I'm got gonna one? Pick. No. So the story was, you know, he heard about it. I said, mm-hmm. man, he's one of my favorite players in the world and all that stuff. You know, came and talked to me before the game. I was like, damn, I just talked to Tom. I mean, Peyton Manning, like, what the fuck? This is going crazy. <laughs> so, you know, so then the game started. Man, Damaris Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders lit my ass up. Moss me, both of them. <laughs> I'm like, and I had both of the both of the picks in my hand. Both of them snatched them out of I said, oh, good Lord. Hey, DT was different at that time. DT too. was different. He was really yeah. like going crazy. He was going had, crazy. They had I mean, Julius there too, is. right? See the picture? He mossed the crap out of me. <laughs> oh, that's it right there. So why snacks not get to Peyton first? Yeah. No, I wasn't there then. I was oh, I was okay, with the okay. Jets then, okay. man. Okay. Yeah, I then just, Emmanuel Sanders came right then after that. I'm like, oh, this ain't my day. Hey, so what year? You led the league in picks one year, right? Yeah, 17. Yeah, so that was one of the first things I said when I saw you because I'm in New York and I keep hearing about this slate dude in Detroit. So I'm like, what the hell? Like, they're not good in Detroit. Like, what are you talking about? So the first thing I went up to you and said when I met you, I was like, damn, so there's you over here with all these interceptions. I was like, bro, you're not like that. You were like, shit, you better ask about me. <laughs> That's the Fact, first thing ask about me. I said when we came up to you, bro. Nah, that was crazy, man. Yeah, so um, I got one other question for you. Um, is there a moment or a play that you can remember in your career where you realize, like, that I belong in the NFL? Like, this is this is for me. Like, for me, it wasn't until – my second season in the in the preseason when I just started to stop worrying about making, you know, mistakes and just started to play. And that's when I realized I belong in the NFL. Well, well shoot, mine was, uh, shoot, what it was. After my rookie year, uh, I mean, because I after my rookie year, because I tore my meniscus, so I'm like, dang, bro, I'm like, it's junk hard. So I came <laughs> into my sophomore year and camped. And like not really camp, but like OTAs and stuff like that. So uh, mm-hmm. me and this guy was competing for number twenty-three. If I could get twenty-three, so uh, man, this is my first play I made on Calvin Johnson. My whole career was my second year. I played, you know, <laughs> I had him. So uh, man, he ran like an out and up, and I attacked the ball, and I you know I picked it. So I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah, I just picked Megatron off in practice for the first <laughs> time. I, I'm here, I'm here. Like you know, and and that built my confidence up and you know and yeah. uh, and working with CJ man he just kind of helped me out through the whole process man so when i made my first play on CJ really was the time i really felt like yeah i belong here man cuz i my whole rookie year man i ain't knock a ball down they had me travel against him on scout team when i was a rookie and i couldn't make no plays so my you know, like my confidence kind of shot a little bit but i was like trying to keep my head up but when i made that play coming in the year 2 man mm-hmm. it boosted me up real big yeah i know and confidence is big in the NFL man if if you can get a guy some confidence those are the guys that develop the fastest. Facts. So do you have one particular moment with Snacks that is your favorite or maybe you like oh. to make fun of him for? Nope. Nope. <laughs> no, I ain't got nothing to make fun of him because, man, we, we always goofy. You know, we yeah. goofy people, you know, but it be just like sometimes in the middle of the play, he just be talking <laughs> junk and, you know, I just come out of nowhere. 
and, and just like bag him up like he talking to the old lineman like I'm two times smaller than him, but you know, you mess with my dog snacks. I'm coming yeah. out there doing it. He'd be like, Slay, I appreciate that. You know what I'm saying? So hey. it be just it's just me be just being me and him being him, and we just goof off a lot. Let me hey, let me tell you one of my favorite slay moments of all time when I knew Slay was that dude. Slay, um, I'm not gonna get too deep into it. Um, but it was certain things we weren't allowed to do at Detroit, and um, you know, mass celebration was one of them. So I can't remember what game it was. Minnesota, Slay, Minnesota. <laughs> so you remember, Slay? You got the pick, and somebody was on the sideline, like everybody stay back, everybody stay back. We were all mm -hmm. waiting to see what was gonna happen, bro. All I saw you running was telling everybody, "Come like, on, y'all better come, come on, on, man." We bro, I looked around. Everybody took off, and everybody ran over there and went celebrate, bro. When I tell you the sideline, somebody on the sideline was so pissed off. But in that moment, we needed that, and you picked the team up, and everybody was like, you know what? Screw it. We ride with my dog. Let's go. Right, you get man. in trouble, we all get in trouble, bro. That it was hard big. to make plays out here, man. We go yeah. celebrate. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like your energy is contagious like that, though. Every team you yeah. put on, you get the guys going like that. No matter yeah, where man, you that's are. I, that's what I do, man. I kind of bring light to a team, man. I got, I'm, yeah. I'm energetic, smiling, giggling. It's not a bad day for me. And, uh, he horrible on war zone. Great football player, but horrible on war zone. Man, he crazy. I be in there shoot my strap. <laughs> shoot my strap. So what did you think about them trading Zach Ertz? Uh, I mean, it was tough, you know, because, you know, as a, like I say, he's a Philly legend. And, you know, uh, it's all about the business point of, you know, I don't know too much of the business part of, but, you know, uh, I know I know before he left, he wanted the contract. And, you know, so, and, you know, guys was like, you know, I don't know, but. Shoot, man, he was talented dude, man, hard worker dude, man. I wish nothing but the best one because I know what he's capable of doing. So, uh, you know, Arizona got him a dog, so he's going to have a good time down there. The boy's already winning, you know, and um, looking good this year. So, you know, that's a good piece to fill in. Yeah, he's going to fit right in there. And I think for him, like you said, going into the contract year, they helped him out, putting him on a team with right. Kyler, who's going to find him the ball, going to get him those red zone touches. And I think it's going to work out for him. Yeah, it could work out for him. So not necessarily in terms of your favorite, but if you look around the rest of your, the league, who are your top five cornerbacks? Or give me top three or your top, favorite. And, and don't put yourself in no. there either. I ain't gonna well, we'll, put you, we'll put you above the rest. <laughs> okay. Uh, I ain't no order, no order. No order, but, no order. Uh, I like, uh, like uh, Humphreys. Uh, Gilmore. Where's Humphreys out of? Humphreys uh, in, um, in uh, Baltimore. Marlon, okay. yeah, okay, yeah, Marlon, uh, yeah. Gilmore, Ramsey, uh, whoo, my last two be tough because I'll be in between, but uh, I'll, I'll show love, um, Ward, man, from um, from uh, Cleveland, yeah, I love his game, and and I love and I love Trey White game, uh, yeah, yeah, so it's like it's be tough, you know, I love a lot of guys' games, so. It's hard to make that five, but those are the ones I kind of watch. I just like the guys I kind of watch mostly consistently. Like I watch and learn from a lot. Yeah, but uh, it's a lot of a lot of other good talent in the, uh, the corners out there too. But it's just uh, those are the ones I kind of like watch consistently to get better off of. So I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you three options here. You you got to pick one. Pat P. Richard Sherman. Deion Sanders, in their prime. Who you taking? To cover Pat. Megatron. To cover Megatron. Let me you throw that out. Pat P. Richard Sherman or, or Meg? 
or uh, Dion to cover mean, Megatron in his prime. All four in their prime, but only one of them can cover Megatron. Shoot. You need to stop. You need to stop. They're going to Megatron 100 percent Dang, I gotta go. I gotta go up Dion, you know what I'm saying? The greatest. Ooh, we hey. taking that high stepping into the end zone, 100 yard pick six. Yeah, I gotta take Dion. I gotta go. Um, if they know the ball is going to him, bro, I gotta go Pat P, bro. I gotta go Pat P. I don't see, I don't see Pat P. I don't see Pat P clamp up CJ one time, but then I saw CJ come back and get that boy the next year 150. <laughs> That's CJ though, bro. That's CJ. He, he, they, hey, he'll do that to anybody. I think he did that to us on one leg the year we played y'all. Yeah, he nasty, man. He nasty. Yeah, yeah. He so nasty. you guys just went up against an awesome Buccaneers receiving core, probably the most talented in the league. I don't even know where you would start trying to stop them defensively. Even though you guys put up a battle, I'll give you that. Who do you think is the toughest receiver in the league to defend? The toughest Ooh. one to defend, honestly, might might hey. be Hawks, man. I was about to say you better hey, you like, better say that day. Yeah, hey, Hawks is a uh, no uh, a different kind of animal, man. You know, can't can't thirty different quarterbacks, thousand yards every year. It's hard, <laughs> you know. Some guys kind of like got a rhythm with quarterbacks, got the feeling of quarterback, know where he want to be. He changes yeah. his mindset every week, but his mindset is to dog the guy in front of him, and he does it all the week in and Bro. week out. And he may have the biggest hands in the NFL. Oh, he like, got the biggest hands. hands are yeah. huge, bro. Yeah, but Hot for sure the best receiver in the league, you know. Uh, yeah. But there's no question. He's, just, he's like that. Yeah, yeah. No. Um, hey, man, Soleil, we appreciate you for coming on, my brother. Uh, thank you for taking the time out. Um, and I'll talk to you soon, my man. All right, appreciate you, my dog. Thank you so much yeah. for coming, Soleil. All right, have a good one. You too. That was awesome. Hopefully we get to yeah. see them compete for some playoff football, but I don't know mm -hmm. how the Eagles are going to be looking too good uh, down the stretch. Yeah, I think they'll pick it up, man. It's a veteran team. Just give them some time to – they just can't get too far behind, you know, and they don't want to be playing the, the, the catch-up game with, a uh, you know, an older roster. But if they can just kind of hover around that 500, not too far, maybe a game under, I think they'll be fine in the end, especially in that division. Yeah, it's tough for them. They're in such an unfortunate situation with a lot of veteran guys on the team who are ready to win now, such as Darius Slay. <laughs> but then you got guys like on the offense like Jalen Hurts, and you're trying to win with him with the new system that you just put in in the offseason. It's like a yeah. lot of things trying to be fixed and trying to change at one time, which just leaves their playoff chances not looking too great. But I'm with you. I think if they stay a little bit under 500, we know how weak that division can be other than the Cowboys and They'll have a chance to compete for some football down the line. No, nah, including the Cowboys too. Don't do that. Including them too. They'll they'll um they're having some success right now. But no, nah, um that division used to be the best division in football. Definitely and, most competitive. Yeah, they had the best offensive alignment. Like if you look at um <clears throat> I think 15, 16, and 17, um, every single position on the offensive line, left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle. That division had someone in the top three in each position, like every team. Like you had um, uh, Jason Peters, Trent Williams, um, and who was Washington? Uh, well, Trent Williams in Washington, Jason Peters in Philly, Tyron Tyron Smith. Yep. In Dallas. Yep, you got. Um, and Will Beatty had a good year that year for the Giants too. You know, you go uh, at the guard positions. I mean, 
Brandon Brooks, um, Scherf. They got Lane Johnson there, right? Uh, Lane Johnson was at right tackle. He was at tackle, okay. Yeah, right tackle. But still, so Lane he was Johnson, there too. Jeez. Moses, uh, Dallas had two pretty good guards. Uh, Philly had two good guards. We don't want to talk about the center position. Uh, young uh, uh, Rich Westberg. Uh, was it Westberg or Weston? I can't remember the name. But, you know, every team had a good offensive line. So, and I think that not only made that the best, uh, you know, division in football, but also it had the best receivers, you know, top cornerbacks, linebackers. You know, it was just all around great division. Is it fun having a chance to compete in a division where you know it's going to be tough every game, or would you rather just yeah. steamroll every team? No, no, man. That's that's what you that's what you like. For me, in my position, I want to go up against, um, you know, at the time, two of the top three centers in football, which who was uh, Dallas center and as well as Kelsey in uh, in in Philly, and then uh, Washington had an up and coming center as well. So for me, like, I love it. You know, I want to prove to myself that I can go out there and just kick anybody's ass. And that's exactly what I did for a long period of time. Um, if you talk to a lot of the centers that I faced and you ask them um, who was the toughest player to block, a lot of them would say me. And they played against, you know, every defensive lineman you could think in the NFL. And I just, I just presented a different type of challenge. I just didn't get the third down opportunities like everybody else did. Um, but, you know, that's – that's how you just get going, knowing you're about to go up against the best, man. And that's the ultimate compliment, too, if guys are saying you're the hardest to block. And, you know, if you get a sack and you turn around and see the guy you just got the sack on was an all-pro defender, it's got to feel good. All right, heck, yeah. The um, best old lineman I went up against, I have to give it to Alex Mack, man. Cleveland, Alex Mack was a different animal. Like, Alex Mack in Cleveland was just crazy. He had all three, in my opinion, for making a good offensive lineman. He was smart. He was strong and he could move. You know, a lot of the offensive linemen have one or three or two out of the three, but Alex Mack had all three and he was a problem. How do you guys in practice balance trying to get better with trying to not like hurt the teammates? Like when you're going against the Jets O line and in, in scrimmages and practice and stuff like that, like, because I would feel like you want to dominate them just as much as yeah. you want to do anyone else. But how do you kind of balance that? You, well, you'll see some guys don't like to practice hard. They'll tell the younger guys, you know, don't touch me, don't hit me. I've never been that way. I'm not going – I know how it feels to, you know, be at practice and be scared to lose your job if you don't go hard. So I tell the young guys all the time, you know, they'll hit me and they'll be like, man, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like, no, don't be sorry. Do whatever you got to do to stay on this team. Don't worry about me. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be fine. But as far as, like, in practice, I was trying to kill every damn body. That's how Nick Mangold and I um, got into it when I first got there, and I gained Nick Mangold's respect pretty early on um, before I even played a game for the Jets. Um, he just saw it wasn't – you know, I, I caused – I got this thing I call two-hour toughness. It's kind of like five-hour energy. You see guys in the locker room taking two-hour toughness before practice. They come out there, they're this tough guy, and then, you know, they turn it off. Well, for me, I don't turn that shit off. Like, I'm the same way at all times. So, you know, if it's – if it's smoke out there on the field, it's smoke off the field, too, for me. So um, I tried to kill motherfuckers in practice. I'm sorry. I don't know if I can curse, but I tried to literally, like, I need to see what the looks 
looked like. And my coaches will tell you, if it didn't look right, hey, give me that play again, run it back, hit me. Like, do, do what's going to happen on Sunday so I can feel it. Um, but everybody's not like that. Yeah, and that's a huge thing. I mean, I'll even relate it to my brother's high school football team because I watched his game last night. They got killed. But he's telling me, like, they'll try to scout guys in, like that they're going to go up against on Fridays in practice but they don't have enough talent to properly scout the guys. And it's like what you're saying, if you can't prepare on the practice field for what you're going to be seeing on Sunday, then there's no reason to even practice because you're going to get on that field and just get run by. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the best coaches, obviously the Belichicks of the world, those guys are the ones that know how to facilitate a practice environment that gets you to those tough competitions. We see the guys that come out of college that say that Nick Saban's practices at Bama were harder than the games on Sundays. Yeah. And that makes sense because the second string guys in Alabama are better than a lot of the starters throughout the country. So when you yeah. compete and compete and compete against guys, it just makes you better. It's 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 kind of a you know catch twenty two with that. Um, some coaches go overboard with the practice, thinking you need to make practice hard to go out there and win. You can't have walkthroughs and win when they're proving it in Seattle. You can't. You know, Seattle is a paradise, man. Like you'll go in Seattle and play. That's why I loved it so much and I didn't want to leave last year. I had to, but I didn't want to leave um, at the end of the day because you can actually go into games fresh as opposed to some other places I've been and you're sitting there on game day and you're like, man, I don't know how the hell I'm about to do this. So it's some teams need it, the younger guys need it, but if you have a veteran team, you got to kind of pull back on it. And I'll tell you a little story real quick um, what kind of changed my mindset in terms of practice. Um, when I was with the Jets, I was kind of, I came in towards the end portion of the old CBA. So guys like the real two a days, like, and you know, them switching it over. So, you know, I had a lot of veteran players, like 10, 15 year plus players that I were playing with. Um, and I'm on a scout team now, I'm playing offensive line. A lot of people don't know, I was almost an offensive lineman in the NFL um, until Mike Tannenbaum, shout out Mike T. Um, <clears throat> came in and uh, pretty much asked everybody, what the hell are you doing? Like, no, he's a nose tackle. Had it not been for Mike T doing that, I'd have been an offensive lineman because I was a pretty damn good offensive lineman. Um, but when they switched over, um, I'm playing offensive line. I'm going up against Calvin Page, Mike DeVito, Sione Puha, Brian Thomas, uh, Bart Scott, Dave Harris, Muhammad Wilkerson, Quentin Copels, uh, Kendrick Ellis, uh, you know, the, the list goes on. So, you know, we're doing the practice, and I'm thinking I'm not supposed to hit these dudes. And so I'm going through the motions. They're jacking me up and doing whatever else, but I'm a rookie. Hey, what am I going to say? We get to the film room. Rex Ryan called me out of the meeting room, and he told me, he said, son, if you do that shit again, your ass going home. He didn't explain to me what happened. I'm not even on defense at this time. Like, I'm on scout team often. I don't know what the hell I did. So Dave Zott, the player personnel guy, pulled me to the side, and he was like, we watched the scout team film. Coach felt like you were going through the motions, and he said, if you do that again, you're going home. Man, the next day at practice, I'm in a, I'm in a training room. I'm wrapping up my wrist. I'm taping up my fingers. It's just a regular, like, uh, training camp practice. Like, I mean, I only think it was training camp. I think it was, like, maybe OTAs. But I'm taping my shit up. I got my headphones on. I took pre-workout. Like, I looked like I was ready to kill somebody. And all the vets saw it. They, and all of them talked to me like, yo, like, 
calm down. Like, just chill. I'm, no, it's no calm down. I'm not going home. Like, I don't know what you got to do. And I think Nick Mango had just hurt his finger or something. And that's what we was kind of like when I was – he was like, oh, man, watch my hand. I told Nick, listen, if you don't want to get that finger messed up, you need to get the hell out of practice because today, no, man, everybody going to get it. And ever since then, I took that mentality with me throughout my career. That's incredible. That's yeah. what made you so great at just trying to kill everyone, try to go at everyone as hard as you can. There he is. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. You look hey, so man. Look at that picture, man. You got Nick yeah. Mango right here, Dakota Dozier. Um, is that Tanner? That Tanner Pernum? Pernum? Uh, we got the GOAT, the Brickashaw Ferguson, Dave Harris, Demario Davis. I see Muhammad in the back. But, hey, that was a team, man. You looking a little light there. Yeah. Man, they used to push me to do the – I didn't like to do that type of stuff. But they used to push me to do it, man. Because you were the one that got them going. They need you in the middle. Yeah. And I tell you what, too, uh, in OTAs, they picked like five captains, and each captain had opportunity to pick anybody on the team to go through this gauntlet. And um, Nick Mango had the first pick. And out of every single person on that team that had Darrell Revis, Tonio Cromartie, everybody, I think they were captains, um, Nick Mango made me his first pick, and we won the whole thing. And this is in OTA. That's how I knew I gained his respect after that. That's incredible. Now, will you guys talk with the alignment like mm. and talk about like strategy things, or will you kind of like will that will you leave that more for just like kind of a friendly relationship and let them go and do that with the coaches? Like, will you guys you talk with the on the like, team? Yeah, like will you guys work to each other like to try to see like what other alignment are doing to stop you guys, and then vice versa, like what yeah. alignment trying to stop them? Man, I ask so many damn questions. I want to know, you know. To the point to where some offensive linemen will stop talking to me because they'll see I use it against them in practice. But I want to know what you're thinking. Like, that's why I became so good at playing the run, man. I knew where to put my hands. I knew all the offensive line movement before they even moved. Like, I knew where you were going based on your steps, based on your body language, based on your eyes. Like, I used to go into the offensive line coach's room and talk to them. Like, yo, like, what do y'all see or what are they taught to do, you know, at, at this moment? That's how you have to play it. I mean, be prepared in every way you can. Get the inside information. It could be the difference between winning or losing a game. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's just incredible. And I, I would think, like, you guys would get into arguments with them because, like, arguing mm -hmm. which group is, is better. But I feel like on the same team, the goal is just to beat whoever's in front of you every week. But it's yeah. so crazy because to, to the fan, it just seems like you guys go out there every Sunday and – no matter who's there, like you're on the field and that's who's playing. But for us fans, like you don't even always realize what goes into these practices. Like you're saying, like you're out here worried about getting cut and other veterans are like telling you not to worry about their finger. And it doesn't even matter to us fans, but that's your livelihood you're fighting for, your family putting food on the table. Yeah. So I yeah. think that's why like hearing the story from you and just like actually hearing the context of it just makes a difference because the, yeah. us fans just don't get that part of football on Sunday. Yeah, that game week is different, man. Like, especially if you're on a um, – a losing team. So figure out who's the 53rd man on every roster and just watch him. Notice how he, you know, how he handles himself, whether it's in practice or the media. Just see how he goes about it, because being the 53rd man on the roster, man, is one of the scariest things in the world. Because at any moment for anything, soon as a guy get hurt, you can no longer focus on practicing or, you know, doing anything like that. It's like, damn, like it's mm -hmm. over with. Like I'm going home after this. Mm -hmm. 
All right, so let's get a little bit of a uh, – we don't have to necessarily call them hot takes, but just something that you could predict going into this next week. Like Seahawks going 4-1 and one in the next five. I said it. No. Seahawks going 4-1 and one in the next five. Geno Smith. Let's do it. If Geno's going 4-1 and one in the next five, then what are the Jets doing in the next five? Man, listen, I can't I can't do that, man. I love my Jet fans, man. Don't put me on the spot like that. I can't do it. I can't do it. In the next five? Okay, who do the Jets have in the next five? Can we, right, can, can we get that up here? Yeah, I got you. Let's see. Can we get that up here? Now, listen, Jet fan, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to yeah. be honest. Love the head coach. Love the direction you're going. Um, love the experience you're getting for your young quarterback. Um, it's just going to take some time. Okay, Tell so- Woody. Give the head coach some time. Don't give in to the pressure and fire him. You know, after two or three years, give the man some time. Let it develop. Let it, let him get his staff right. So where are we now? So we got the bye this week. Okay. And that is next game is at the Patriots at New England. Yeah. So we got yeah, we got we got the Pats. Wow. Yeah, the it's next, not looking too good. No, the next five, I the Jets, I see zero and five. Zero and five. Dolphins may present their best opportunity, um, and perhaps the Colts. Um, I think I think we could steal one from the Colts. It's a, it all depends. Uh, NFL's crazy. It all depends on how uh, Zach Wilson improves. It all depends on how Salah sets him up to succeed. I think they could be. I think they could beat the Patriots. I think they played them tough. That's going to be a better game than people think. That's going to be a blowout. No, it's not. coming off bye week. It's going to be a blowout. That's a young team coming off bye week. That's a bad thing. Yeah, absolutely. For guys who never experienced bye week before, it's absolutely a bad thing. Depending on what they're doing. Last year it was kind of better for young teams coming off a of bye week because of the COVID restrictions. You couldn't go anywhere. You had to stay. I don't know how it is this year, but um. You know, being a young guy last year was pretty easy because you had to come into the facility anyway. But this year, they may be a little more lenient. Um, I I don't like young teams after a bye week. I don't like young teams in general. I feel like the NFL, almost more than any other league, is you need the experience. It's so rare you see a guy like Mahomes go and have success so early in his career. I feel like you you almost yeah. need to you almost need to be battle tested before you mm-hmm. can have any real success. Yeah, but I agree. Yeah, so so I don't blame you there. Uh, if I had to ask you one question, I would say, um, who from the not necessarily from the coaching staff, but just amongst you guys, like if you guys are getting scored on, you guys as in the defensive unit, like and it's bad, like they have thirty on you guys. Will you start arguing amongst yourselves, like with the DBs? I'm not saying that you're doing it on purpose, but like, will you guys start kind of blaming each other? Will everyone just be down together, or is that the difference in what makes a good team? Like the ones that stick together. For the ones that succeed it depends on the type of team you have if you have a real good team a good cohesive unit um then the defensive line will have no problem going over to the defensive backs and ask what's going on you know what i mean if the same way they're getting run on the defensive backs will have no issues going over to the linebackers or the defensive line it's the teams that really don't you know that they're, they're not really together that you'll see they're kind of nitpicking on the sidelines and you know, every team I've been on, we've had relationships with each position group. So it'd be no problem. You know, if if Slate getting bombed on out there, I have no problem whatsoever going 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 over to Slate. Like, yo, what's going on? Like, 
we need to tighten up. And we have that type of relationship to where it's dialogue and he know I'm not doing it to belittle him, you know, but actually caring about him and this team, like I need to know what's going on. And throughout my entire career, I didn't give a damn what was going on. If it was the defensive lineman, I'm getting on the defensive line ass. If it was the linebackers in the middle of the field, I'm doing the same thing, the same thing in the secondary. So um, you'll notice the teams who kind of argue back and forth is really not much cohesion because they're afraid to say certain things to certain people because they don't have that type of relationship. But the teams who do, nip it in the bud, talk about it. We may have some back and forth. Emotions are high. Guys are on that two-hour toughness. But – you know, overall, I have no issue, and you'll see it all the time in the groups who are together. What do we just pull up on the screen here? Uh, numbers. Men lie. Numbers. Women lie. That's numbers all you have to lie. say. Numbers. That's all numbers we're looking at here. Lie. Numbers. You like yeah. the picture that you see in the Lions jersey? Uh, I think they could have used a better graphic, but <laughs> but that <laughs> man right there, that was, that man right there, that was – Oh, I was angry then, man. That's who you had to look out for. I was angry then, yeah. Now, I'll tell you one thing, though. I don't know what it is about the nickname Snacks, but every Sunday when you made a play, and I know, like you said, I didn't have many sacks, but it didn't matter. When you made a pressure, like, if you're with your friends in the house, it just seems like everyone's like, Snacks. Like, some <laughs> form of that is you'll hear it. Whether you're in the stadium, at home, People mm -hmm. love yelling snacks. I don't know. I don't know why. Yeah. I hey, love, love the nickname. I had a lady, um, and she's probably watching or tune in at some point. She used to um, bring me Rice Krispie treats at every home game when I was with the Jets. And it used to feel so good going into the stadium and, you know, you seeing people. Oh, that was a big play by me, too. I don't know if you can watch that from the beginning. Watch the big fella move. Oh, watch the cut. Yeah, watch Thank the cutback. I made hey, I made that tackle too, by by the way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, it was just amazing, man, just to see the fans, you know, show so much support for me weekend, you know, week in and week out. And uh even after I no longer continued to play for the team, they still, you know, show support because oh, look at that movement right there. <sighs> yeah, that was nice. Oh, I was so hyped right there. <laughs> But yeah, that's I think that's why fans love me because they know I went out and I gave it everything I had, even when sometimes what I had wasn't good enough. They they got every single thing you know I had to offer. Um, so that's why snacks is so beloved around the NFL. As you should be. Hey, man, just, these are some good plays. I was just a question one. that I hey, well, oh, did you see me throw that grown man right there? Rewind that back, man. Can you rewind that back? Can you watch? Look at that. <laughs> 31. Was it 31? Look at that. Get off me. And and stopped him. Get off me. You huh, don't that. double team me. Don't double team me. So have you, you – I'm sure you've seen the video. Mm. I think it's happened twice. I, I'm referencing Lamar Houston and Stephen Tullock when they tear the ACL on that celebration. Have you seen those videos? Um, no, I try not to watch any injury uh, videos, man. I'm, I'm very superstitious. Well, essentially what happened was one of the games, and I'm pretty sure they were down. Yeah, so Bears are down by 25, and Lamar Houston gets a sack, and he runs up the field and, like, does, like, the Ronaldo, like, goal celebration, and as he comes down, he tears his ACL. Now, to me, that's, like, something that's, like, 
unacceptable because like how bad of an injury it is. But the fact that you do that on a play when you're celebrating, like how would how how did you go about celebrating plays? I know you obviously love to celebrate, but did you have anything yeah. you kind of looked out for not get injured? Um, my celebrations were pretty simple, man. You know, start eating a eating a cereal bowl. You know, let them know it's snack time, and put my my bicep up in the air and point to it, let them know I'm strong. You're not that really was it. any injuries, yeah. That 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 was it, because I know most of the time in my in my career when I used to do all that, raw that right there, and the other team would be hurrying up, and I just let go so much energy. Now I got to turn around and run back to the huddle, and it's like breathe, 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 and they're snapping the ball. So you know what? I'm gonna kind of just do something simple and you know line back up. <laughs> I like it. That's how I would be. But mm-hmm. I wasn't, didn't play at the level you did, obviously. Not sure. <laughs> I, I think I would have, if I had made it to the NFL, I would have been coming out with the craziest celebrations. Yeah, I've, I've seen like, some like, creative ones. I've seen some creative ones. I miss the team celebrations. They haven't been doing them this season. The they NFL, man, together. They, I, they're taking the fun out of it. They're taking the fun out of it. Which makes no sense why they were like, there's no harm to anyone. It gets the guys going. It gets the fans going. It's just fun. Like, why take the, fan, the fun out of it? The fans love it, man, because you have two or three people who complain about something that really just never played the game. Um, and, you know, I think they just need to leave leave the game alone. Keep it fun, man. 100%. Leave it alone. Keep it fun. Let mm-hmm. the fans have fun with it. Because when the players – not only is it fun to watch the players do that celebration – but then the fans watch them, and you're like, "All right, they care about this. Yeah. They put some time in practice. They yeah. rehearse little dance moves." Yeah, because these days are rehearsed now. At practice, guys are rehearsing these moves. I would get mad if I scored a touchdown and one of my guys didn't do the celebration with me to practice all week. I'd yeah. be mad at him. Yeah, like when I first got to Green Bay, I saw them doing the little—I uh, think it's called a D train—and you'll see guys rehearsing it. Like it's—it it's, gets excited, man. And everybody's excited to make a play to do the celebration. That's so funny. Mm-hmm. When you, I guess I'd say it depends on who's there, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But when you're playing in the NFL, will you listen to your defensive line coach or your head coach if you have like a specific question about the team? Like, which one will you tend to spend more time with? Or really, does it just depend on the situation? Um, I mean, you really don't spend any time on game day with the head coach at all except for before the game or at halftime or end of the game. Other than that, it's your defensive line coach, your position coach, um, and your coordinator, depending on, you know, who's upstairs in the box or who's down on the field. But you don't you don't really talk to your head coach much, if any. Like some guys will go the whole game and don't say a word to the head coach because the head coach, not they don't they can't really – they don't have the luxury of being able to walk away from the field and talk to players. Like they got to watch the offense, defense, and special teams. So as opposed to your defensive line coach or your position coach who's watching you, you come off the field, they're on the sideline now talking to you. So let's get to something that, not that I've been avoiding, but I didn't want to bring it up in the first episode because of the craziness around the topic. But I feel like we'll have to mention it just because it happened, but the, the whole John Gruden scandal. What were your thoughts on that? And how do you go about the coach when he makes a mistake? Because – it's so fast to make you see Derek Carr say, I love the man, but I hate the sin. Like, I hate the sin. Yeah. yeah. And and I agree with him because I'm sure they had a great connection before he had known that happened. But when a coach is involved in something like that, like how, how did the players take that? It, it's not surprising to a lot of people. I tell you that. Um, 
you know, to some people, most of the people, you know, that I know over there is kind of, you know, it's exactly what they thought. You know, it never was said they didn't have any proof, but, you know, it didn't surprise anyone. So to be able to, you know, now have emails and, you know, and everything like that, um, you know, I've had positive experiences with uh, Coach Gruden. I, I never, you know, would have thought that, you know, he'll be a guy like that. But again, I haven't spent much time with him, you know, especially like some some one-on-one or intimate time, like personal time. I just, I, I never have. So uh, to see something like that and what kind of pissed me off is nothing was going to happen to him until he made reference to the sexuality portion of it. Um, again, I have no problem whatsoever with people being and doing what they want to do. Whatever makes you happy, let that make you happy. But the NFL wasn't going to act or do anything to Coach Gruden until that side came off. So that's the portion I don't agree with. Um, I think the Raiders wanted to make a move, but they couldn't make a move. So for contractual reasons, he resigned. And I believe the Raiders are now off the hook for that remainder of his his salary, which was guaranteed as a head coach. So I believe that's why he resigned. Yeah, and I want to make sure you really make that clear, what you're saying, because I want people out there to understand that what you're saying is 100% true. I think those allegations came out, maybe it was a Thursday or Friday, and Gruden coached that game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And, it was, yeah. and, that was, and I want that to be very clear, and I think that that's honestly unacceptable. And like mm-hmm. you're saying, like he was in the clear. Like he would have been hated. He, all that stuff would have happened, but he had his job. It wasn't until yeah. they leaked the second and third email regarding the uh, Michael Sam, who was in on the Rams and the Jeff Fisher incident in 2014, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until he referenced uh, the cheer. It was on the email with the cheerleaders, and that's when yeah. he got fired. So I agree with you. I think it's it's actually horrible that it took those extra things to get him out of there when it should have yeah. been done from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So to, to them, it's certain thing that the NFL care about um, and are willing to let go and to, to sweep under the rug. Um, but the NFL is drawing the line. And, um, you know, I just feel like it was it was warranted, but but it was it was a little, you know, too late. Yeah, exactly. They made the right decision in the end, but it should have been done uh, way earlier. The situation should have been avoided at all. What's interesting to me is that the investigation, which claims to have looked at over 600,000 emails, which was an investigation into the Washington football team, the only thing we're being left with is Gruden. Like, what, who else is on the emails? Who else is involved? There's got to be some bigger fish involved in this story that Absolutely. hopefully we'll find out in the next four or five years once the stuff starts to leak. But I, I'm disappointed. I mean, the NFLPA just filed to have those emails released because the NFL claimed that they're done releasing stuff about the investigation. Right. But, but, but I don't see how that could be fair to anyone. And listen, it's, it's a lot more coaches. It's a lot more personnel. It's a lot more owners that feel the exact same way John Gruden feels, the exact same way. But coaching the game and owning the team has its privileges, and, you know, a lot of the owners will be exempt. But he's not alone. John Gruden is not alone. Like, and us as players, we know it. We know it, but we can't do anything about it. And that's the scary part, too, because those are the guys signing the checks and you want to yeah. be out there every day. But it's just a lot of questions morally and stuff. I don't blame you guys. It's a yeah. crazy situation. Well, that was incredible. If you had any other thoughts, you want to mention anything, wrap up? No, man. No, that was a that great was show, man. That was great. That was a yeah. great show. Yeah. That was incredible. Yeah, like All right. Well, 
if you are out there, if you're watching, be sure to like and subscribe. Thank you so much for tuning in. This was Snacks and Sunny, and I hope you guys have a great Saturday, and uh, let's watch some football tomorrow. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for watching.